happens when you think your suffering has been caused by someone else, maybe even someone who is close to you? What gets in the way of your acting compassionately towards them? Your Mindful Life Podcast. Hello and welcome, everyone. My name is Mary Slocum, and today we're talking about compassion and what gets in the way of our acting compassionately. Compassion is the second face of love. While it has its own characteristics, it is also intricately connected with the other three. You may want to check out episodes 6 through 10. They also talk about the four phases of love, and it's a nice refresher for you. To develop any and all the phases of love, we need strength. While we all enjoy the natural instinct towards love, these instincts can easily be lost to fear, pride, and apathy. Our natural love instincts are active when we see a small child. We immediately feel friendly and goodwill towards the child. When the child laughs, we also laugh and feel her joy. And when the child is hungry, we feed her. When learning to walk and she falls down and then gets up, we feel steady. We're not jostled by her ups and downs. But what happens when we're criticized or disrespected? Or what happens when we cause suffering in someone else? What happens then? The beloved monk Thich Nhat Hanh tells the story about what can happen when you believe your suffering has been created by someone you love. What then? A young man went off to war, leaving his pregnant wife in their village. Two years later, when he returned, the wife was jubilant to see him, and they embraced, crying with joy. But the little boy, the man's son, refused to recognize his father. When the young wife was off at the market, the father tried to get the little boy to call him daddy, but the little boy refused. He said, Mr., you're not my daddy. My daddy is someone else. He visits us every night, and my mommy talks to him. Often she cries with him. When my mommy sits down, he sits down too. When my mommy lies down, he lies down too. Hearing this, the father's heart turned black. He felt betrayed and deeply humiliated. When the wife returned home, the father turned his back to her. He would leave the house all day and stayed late at night drinking at a bar. He kept this up for days. The wife was devastated. Her suffering was so great that she threw herself in the river and drowned. When the father heard this, he returned to the house. That night he lit the lamp. Suddenly, the little boy called out, Mr. Mr., my daddy has come back, as he pointed to the shadow on the wall. In reality, what daddy was, was the little boy's mother's shadow on the wall. 
In reality, she'd been alone and every night had talked aloud. My dear one, why are you so far from me? How can I raise our child by myself? She would cry, and of course, when she sat down, the shadow sat down too. Suddenly, the father realized that his perception had been false, but it was too late. His wife was dead. Our perceptions can destroy us. They can destroy our families and our communities. When we hear this story, we ask, why did the father not go to his wife and ask what the little boy was talking about? The answer is pride. Without pride, he would have gone to his wife and asked, who is this person our son talks about? I'm suffering so much, my love. You have to help me understand. And then his wife would have had the opportunity to explain, and the drama would have ended. And what if the young wife had gone to him and said, Darling, I'm suffering so much. Why don't you look at me anymore? And why don't you talk to me? What have I done? Have I done something awful? But she did not. She took her suffering to her watery grave. While you might be saying, but this story is an exaggeration. Well, maybe it is. It is told to us in this way so we can see clearly how our perceptions often cause suffering and are often not true. This is why we must never fall victim to pride, but we must check things out, go to the other person and let them know, I am suffering so much. Let your compassion show. Compassion starts with our recognizing suffering in ourselves and others and having the desire to relieve the suffering and then acting to relieve it without expecting anything in return. If the father or the young wife had recognized their suffering and the suffering of the other and had acted to relieve it, knowing very well that the answer to their question might have been hurt to his or her dignity, this story would have ended in a very different way. Each needed the strength and courage to go to the other and ask the question, tell me what this is all about. Distress, not compassion, colored their actions. Can you recall a similar situation in your life where your perceptions and pride led you to distress and not to compassion? Compassion and distress are very different. When we feel distress, anguish, sorrow, or pain in the face of suffering, we become victims. Why is this happening to me? Or why is this happening to this other person we lament? In our story, both the father and the wife felt extreme distress. When distress visits, we recognize the burden of our suffering and understand it through mindfulness, using patience and diligence to question, to understand, and to let go. When we feel compassion, we recognize the suffering in a balanced way. We're able to see the big picture. 
we see the suffering from a place of equanimity. When we are suffering, we acknowledge, I'm suffering and I am here with you. Or when another person is suffering, so we can let that person know, I see your suffering and I am here with you. I am not reacting to the suffering. I am with the suffering in an allowing kind of way from a place of steadiness and balance. And then we ask the little question, how can I help? And this is a very powerful question. The answer is always different. Sometimes the answer is deep listening or wise speech. Sometimes it means doing something with our time, energy, or money. Whatever the help is, it never has strings attached. There's no expectation of anything in return because it's not about edifying us, feeding our egos, or making us feel better or worthy or good because of what we do. Compassion can be tough. There are lots of obstacles to compassion. We may be afraid that we will be judged by others. Our mindfulness may not be strong, and our ego may be weak. Maybe we're afraid that our act of compassion may be perceived as contrived or insincere. Or maybe we're afraid that others will use the opportunity to take advantage of us, and so our fear and pride gets in the way. So when these kinds of obstacles arise, what do we do? Well, first discover something in us doesn't feel safe. And how do we do this? Through our mindfulness practice. We ask questions and investigate, allowing whatever is there to unfold and to let go as we hold it compassionately. In this way, we are acting compassionately towards ourselves because feeling safe doesn't feel good. It hurts and we suffer. But when we turn towards it and allow it, acknowledge it, and then ask questions and investigate, well, the fear has a way to let go. So this is compassion for ourselves in action. Another obstacle to compassion is obligation. When we feel obligated to act compassionately, we're following someone else's agenda. And this means that we're not acting compassionately after all. You may notice, oh, I'm feeling obligated to work at the food bank next weekend. What's that all about? Maybe it's our family or friends who are doing the obligating, or maybe it's an organization, institution, or the company we work for. So we work at the food bank because it is expected of us by someone else, and we want the esteem of whoever is expecting us to help out. It's not a compassionate act that we give freely without expecting anything in return. We are expecting something in return, esteem. We want people to notice and say, oh, what a good person she is. Doing something because we feel obligated to do it gives us the opportunity to sit mindfully and noticing what's going on here right now. 
and acknowledging that we're helping out because we're needing the esteem of someone else in order to feel worthy. So after sitting with this need for esteem and we realize that we don't have to do anything to be worthy, just being here in this moment right now is enough. Like all beings everywhere, we too are worthy. It may take some time to fully understand our worthiness, and we do this through our meditation. Another important question might arise now. What would feel right if I were on my own with no one obligating me, and I asked myself the little question, how can I help? What would the answer be? This is our path to compassionate action. When we're stressed out or we're in a reactive state, it's also difficult to be compassionate. So when we feel stressed or reactive, well, once again, we turn to our mindfulness practice, cultivating our presence, attention, concentration, and inquiry. This is our way forward through the stress and reactivity so that we can act compassionately. Or perhaps we feel that acting compassionately would make too many demands on us and we don't feel that we'll be able to follow through or that we would have to give too much of ourselves. When we feel overwhelmed, uncomfortable, or not up to the task, it's really hard to act compassionately. Rather, this is a call to self-compassion, to see our own suffering and act to alleviate it. Self-compassion builds our confidence in our ability to act because we understand that, just like me, no one wants to suffer. This week, I invite you to sit quietly asking two questions and seeing what arises as you do. And notice where it arises from. You might check in with your heart rather than your head. To begin, practice mindfulness of the breath for a few minutes to unite body and mind in presence and to sharpen your attention and concentration. And then ask these little questions of yourself. What value do I put on compassion? Is compassion one of my core values that define how I live my life? Why or why not? And the second is, who do I know who is compassionate? And what makes them so? You might want to have paper and pencil handy to jot down notes as you sit with these questions. The guided meditation for this week is a self-compassion meditation. You can find it on the podcast member page at patreon.com forward slash your mindful life. That's www.patreon.com forward slash your mindful life. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening. And I'd also like to thank the people behind the scenes that make it possible. 
Gorgias Romero for original music, audio engineering, and production, Bill Rafferty for technical web support, Ali Allen for logo and podcast cover design, and Margaret Haas for announcing the show. Be well, be mindful. <laughs>